reading today is taken from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Hi friends, it is so good to be with you once again. And as uh, Will and Emily have already stated, we get to kick off our uh, series, Advent series uh, today, which is really exciting. I think probably more than ever, uh, we kind of are looking uh, as individuals, as a community, as a family, I think as a nation with excitement and anticipation uh, for all the hope that Christmas brings us. And that's the whole goal of Advent is it becomes a moment that allows us to kind of discover and to give voice to our anticipation and excitement of all that Christmas promises that Jesus came uh, and the hope that he then revealed. And Advent is something that's celebrated throughout the whole of the church uh, family, really, across the world. Uh, now, you won't be kind of surprised that we kind of do our own little oasis take on Advent and therefore I always think like what does Advent look like? Well I'd say for us it's about pausing. It's about having a moment where we can just pause from day-to-day -day life and in that pause to centre. To centre and as we centre I want us to be seeking to consider. Consider the reality of the world around us. To remember, to remember the wonder of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And then to reflect, to reflect on the hope that Jesus will return, that he will fill this earth with his rule and reign of his unfailing goodness and love. And that as we pause, as we center, we then get to continue, continue in our lives, allowing them to be shaped by this tension that Jesus has come, and Jesus will return. And that gives us this deep sense of hope, and as we're gonna discover, a deep sense of purpose as we live in this world. But 
before we get to the passage that Judy has so excellently read out, that we started off our meeting with, we're going to continue in our meeting with, um, I just want to just take a moment to kind of reflect on this moment. Um, Many of you know that we have two dogs as a family, and as such, that means that we have to take it in turns to take them out for walks daily. We take them for two walks uh, each day. And one of the things that I've come to realize is that the days are getting shorter, probably more than ever before I've noticed that fact, that um, when we take our dogs for our kind of late afternoon walk, it's often getting dusk and we finish in darkness. And I think probably it's been amplified by this moment we're living in of restrictions in terms of our freedoms and encouragements not to kind of move around lots during the day. And therefore, in those two moments of walking the dogs, you just discover actually, yeah, the days are shorter. It's getting darker. And I think that that sense of it getting darker and and feeling that more than ever, it kind of points to the reality I think that we're living in that it just feels dark. It's dark at the moment. Like, living within a pandemic just feels dark. That living just with the news of this last week, we don't even have to look further than that, just living with the news of this last week, of just the reality of our economy, of the Chancellor standing up and saying, well, do you know what, I think we're in the worst position we've been in for 300 years. Like, when you hear the the rising unemployment levels, like for me, the the finishing blow, if you like, uh, was the the moment where I kind of felt like I crumbled and just thought, man, it is dark, was the moment where uh, the BBC did some analysis of uh, the cost increase of equipment that was needed during the pandemic. And so they looked at uh, aprons that were needed in terms of PPE and said they'd gone up by over a thousand percent at the height of the pandemic. And then probably the one that broke me was the the moment it says actually that the the price of body bags had gone up over a thousand percent. And there's just something in me and I just thought, it's just not right. This isn't how it's meant to be. And in actual fact, just often the Oxford English Dictionary will come up with a word that summarizes the whole of the year. They say this is the word that this kind of characterizes what this year has always been about, all been about. And this year, for the first time, they've said there isn't a word. Actually, there's just too many words that we could use to describe this year. You see, I don't want to linger on this point because I think we all know it's dark. I think we all know it it feels dark. And I think that's why we're putting our Christmas decorations up early. It's why we're getting the trees up, getting the lights on. Because it causes us to just feel like actually within the darkness, there's some light breaking in. And that light that breaks in does something to our consciousness. It begins to cause us to know hope. It begins to cause us to think maybe this isn't the only story. Maybe there's a better story. And those decorating the tree, switching the lights on outside, what it does is it points to this greater light that's longing to burst into our darkness, longing to burst into our vision. It's what we see Luke do in his account of Jesus' life, that he starts off by allowing the light to break in. And that's what I'm hoping will happen in these few moments now, that in your home, wherever you're sat, that the light and wonder of who Jesus is will break into our darkness. 
They won't feel like it's just a, a sprinkling of fairy lights. It's like a floodlight that suddenly cascades light that kind of dispels the darkness. See, Luke switches the light on in that encounter of the angel to Mary. And in talking to her and this angel announcing and saying, hey, you're going to have a baby, but, it, but it's not any old baby. It's the long-awaited king. It's like Luke says, light and hope has broken in. The king has come. Like this king has come that, that was long awaited. Like Luke kind of quickly puts in some like words that bring hyperlinks to everything that's been expected. He says, oh, this isn't any old king. It's a king that's of the line of David who's going to reign forever. This is the promised king that was spoken of in, in the Old Testament that you see from the moment that David is king and, and God says, like, there's going to be one who's going to come and reign on your throne forever. And then you see these promises from that point on that keep breaking out. We haven't got time today to look at all of them. But, but in it, Luke just summarizes and says, hey, there's a king that's come, this king. And he's the one who's come to fulfill all the promises. He's the rescuing king. He's the king who's come to establish a kingdom that is characterized by unfailing goodness and love and justice. And it's going to last forever. And it's going to fill the earth. And Luke says, like, as he's putting on the floodlight to banish the darkness, he says, hey, this king isn't any old king. He's the king, yes, that's been promised. But this king is Jesus. The angel says to Mary, like, you're to call him Jesus. Like, Jesus is the king that we need. Jesus is the light that we desire, the light that we need to break into our darkness. See, Jesus is revealed as this king who is God. Like, no one expected that. Even though God had promised it, no one was expecting that this king that had been promised that was going to last forever was going to be God himself. But it was there. And Jesus is God. You see it in the announcement of the angel to Mary. And Mary's like, like how's this going to happen? And, and the angel says, well, God's going to come in power on you and create life in you. You're going to have a baby and that baby is God. Like that's mind blowing. And Mary, not surprisingly, is questioning like, well, how? And the angel just says, by the power of God. Like, for centuries since, for millennia since, people have said, how? It feels offensive. Well, because it's the supernatural birth of a king who is God. But it's not only that Jesus as king is God, it's also Jesus as king is human. We're told that Jesus takes on human flesh. That as that passage from John 1 that Emily read out, that the word took on flesh like Jesus became human. Why? Fully God, fully human. Because he came to identify with you and I. He came to be part of our story as humanity. Why? Because he wanted to be part of the darkness in order that he could bring in his light. He became part of our stories in order that we'd be caught up in his See, Jesus as king, we then get to see as one who's characterized in his life. You see it through the accounts of his life, through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. 
You find that he's one who's characterized by love of goodness, of mercy, of justice, of compassion. This is the kind of king he is. And those characteristics of who he is as king then characterize what his kingdom's like. But then probably the most surprising thing about his kingship is the way that he ultimately inaugurates it. You see, Jesus as king sacrifices all in order that we would gain all. Like he comes and lives in order that he could die and that through his death, it's like becomes his throne. As in and through the cross, he defeats darkness once and for all. In order that through his resurrection, he can come and bring the wonder of his kingdom, of his life, of his light to anyone and everyone who will receive it. That's the kind of king he is. Like he's a king like no other. A king who causes us to see the unseen God and see the marvellous and wonderful sense of who he is. He's the king who comes and identifies with our story and to draw us into his. He's the king who's characterised by love and mercy and goodness. He's the king who sacrifices all in order that we gain all. In order that he would fill the earth with his rule and reign. But we live in this tension, don't we, that we see and say, savour like the wonder of who this king is. And it was still living in this moment of darkness. Because the truth is that, yes, Jesus has inaugurated his kingdom. But then we're told through the story that then he ascends to be with the father. He goes and sits at the father's right hand. Why? In order that he would leave us, mere humans, to be the messengers and the wonder of the wonder of who he is as king and the kingdom that he's come to establish. Like, if it was down to me, I'd be like, no, don't do that, Jesus. Like, we'll probably mess it up. Like, you get on and do that. But Jesus says, no, this is the better way. That I want you as humans to be the messengers of who I am as king and the kingdom that I've come to reveal. Isn't that what happened to you? Isn't that what happened to me? That someone shared with me the message of the wonder of who Jesus is as king and his desire to draw me into his kingdom and it transformed my life? Has it done that for you? Maybe you're at the moment trying to figure out like who Jesus is and is he the king and what difference that makes your life? Maybe through this Advent series, you're going to discover the wonder of what it means to have Jesus as king. But you see, even within the light switch on moment of Luke, Luke kind of says, well, no, Jesus as king is one who's going to reign forever. See, Jesus is the returning king. He's a king who will return to this earth. That Jesus will have the final say, that darkness will not win. Jesus will. You see it painted in vivid word pictures in Revelation 21 where it reveals the wonder of what it will look like when Jesus returns and fills this earth with his rule and reign. Well, we're told actually there'll be no more pain or suffering. There'll be no more injustice. Why? Because Jesus' rulership and reign will be fully established throughout the world as everyone bows the knee and sees him as king. Therefore, we're left asking, will we receive the king? Are we going to be those who are receiving the king this Advent? 
Because that's what Mary did. Like Mary, in response to all that the angel says, simply says, I am your servant. Like Mary is amazing. Like, let's not forget that. Mary is amazing. And how she responds is how we are then called to respond. That as we allow the wonder of who Jesus is to fill our gaze again, we afresh say, or maybe the first time say, I am your servant. I'm one who's going to say, Jesus, you be on the throne of my life. You be the one who rules and reigns and shapes everything of who I am and all that I do. Jesus, you be the one who gives me that deep sense of purpose. Because we're now caught up in what Jesus left us to do, to be those who become the messengers to all who hear that Jesus is the king that we've been longing for. And he's come with a kingdom that is so good. And we get to not only be those that speak about it, but then reveal it through the lives that we live. And as we receive this king, not only is it about him being on our throne, it's not our lives, it's not only in giving us purpose, it's also then gives us hope. It reminds us that however dark it can feel, his light has already broken in and he will return. The best is yet to come. Therefore, my encouragement through this season is let's take many moments to pause within the darkness of our realities, to center on the wonder of who this King Jesus is and allow him to fill our gaze in order that we can continue, continue to allow his rulership and reign to shape who we are, calling us to call others to taste and see how good he is as king and to receive him for themselves. And let's allow that to be the light that breaks in to our and our community's darkness. If it's all right, I just want to pray for us just before we worship. I'm just going to return in a moment just to wonder at who Jesus is, but I'm just going to pray for us now. Just where you are, why don't you just close your eyes? And just with your eyes closed, I just want to pray for us. Why we close our eyes isn't because of some mystical thing. It just allows us not to get distracted by anything or anyone else. Jesus, I pray for every individual. I thank you, you know each and every one of us. You know exactly how we're doing at the moment. And I pray, would you come and would you break in with the wonder of your light, the light of who you are as our king, of who you are in your rule and reign as king, that your kingdom is characterized by unfailing love and goodness and justice. And I pray, would we taste and see more of you and more of your kingdom? And I pray, Jesus, as we see and taste of it more, I pray would we cause you to be more and more at the centre of who we are in order that we'd be shaped by you to cause others to taste and see how good you are. I pray, Jesus, let your light break into our darknesses. Amen. Amen.